Hi, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids, the podcast where we hopefully help you inspire to spend more time outside wherever you are. This is Jen, co-host number one. And today we're going to be flipping the tables a little bit here. And I'm actually going to be interviewing my other co-host, Kate. I feel a little bit in the spotlight here, Jen. This is kind of weird. We normally interview people together, but um, if you listen to one of our previous episodes where I interviewed Jen, we actually really liked it. Uh, partly because I think I got to know you better, which is hilarious when you're, you know, you're really good friends with somebody, you know somebody really well, and then you have a chance to sit down and ask some questions and you realize you're still learning about them. I think it's a very cool opportunity. And I think it also gives a lot of, con- like the last episode with you, Jen, gave a lot of context to our show and to what we talk about and where we're kind of coming from. So I think that's neat. Yeah. I think when we first we recorded my episode, I was like the last time we did kind of a mini interview or really any background details was like the introduction episode, which was well over a year ago now. And if you do happen to go back and listen to that intro episode, uh, I can say, Kate, not our best. We were trying to write some sort of script. We were trying to put together something funny. We didn't even have mics properly set up yet. We were using them incorrectly. Our microphones were backwards. We had them backwards. (laughs) For several episodes. So I I feel like the audio is bad. (laughs) I feel like we've come a long way. Uh, We've certainly learned a lot of tips along the way, and I'm really excited to be interviewing you tonight, Kate. Uh, So let's kick it off with the most obvious question. Uh, Kate, why did you decide to start this podcast? Because you were really kind of the the mastermind and genius behind the show. And and where (laughs) did that inspiration come from? Oh, the genius. Yes. Um, I think in about September 2021, my mind was kind of all over the place. I was thinking about a bunch of stuff and I think I was listening to something from Kathy Heller, who has a very successful podcast. And she was talking about how podcasts have the ability to kind of get into a conversation with somebody, to make somebody feel like you're talking to them. And like, honesty moment. At the time, I listened to one podcast and it's some Australian comedians who I've listened to for years and years in various formats, and I'd sometimes listen to their podcast. Other than that, I don't think I knew anything about it. But what I did like was that in the podcast that I'd listened to, there were two friends who were kind of like chit-chatting back and forth. You could tell that they had been friends for years and years and years, and they had this sort of history and banter between them. And I started to think, why shouldn't I start a podcast? I know nothing about it. I don't really know what the topic would be, but I kind of let it sit for a while. And I was like, the thing that I think you and I have in common is our approach that we honestly really developed during 2020 and 2021, because I don't think I knew how to parent before COVID hit. Um, and the approach of being able to take our kids out and do things with them. And if I think about the questions I get asked the most often from people, it's about that. I didn't really want to do it by myself because I thought it'd be boring to talk to a microphone by myself. And you'll probably remember, I said to you one day, I've got an idea. Do you want to go for a walk? I'm going to pitch it to you. And you're like, yes. <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> and I was really nervous. I was like, Jen's going to think this is really stupid. And I was like, what if we started a podcast about outdoor adventures with our kids? And you're like, yeah, cool. Okay, let's do it. I was like, oh, really? That's, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised okay. you thought I'd be a harder sell because I feel like, well, if Kate's already thought about it, I'm already in. I feel like I do so <laughs> much of that vetting. Like I remember even thinking about car seats when we were looking at like the next car seat size up and you had already picked out one and I'm like, <laughs> click purchase. If Kate has vetted it, I will just buy the exact same one. Like no reason to even think about it for a moment. Just buy two of everything. <laughs> it is kind of hilarious though. Like you mentioned our first couple of episodes and like 
we really didn't know what we were doing. And I'm not surprised because I listened to a total of one podcast at the time. I now have branched out a lot into listening to a lot of other podcasts and seeing how they actually do it. Um, but we really didn't know what we were doing. You might say we still don't really know what we're doing, but we're trying and we're learning each time. So I think, yeah, it, it was it was a very random idea, something that I thought, oh, I'll do this thing um, in addition to everything else going on with work and life and kids, et cetera. You might argue, Jen, that we don't have time for this, but we make the time <laughs> somehow. <laughs> somehow we've made the time. Yeah, I think for me too, like when I think about, well, why wouldn't I want to hang out and spend more time with one of my best friends? Like, obviously, I would make time for that because if we weren't doing this, we'd be going for a walk or maybe we'd be at the brewery. Like, we would do something together anyways. Um, and this arguably is just a lot more fun and gives us more reasons to hang out together. So I, for one, I'm glad that you asked. Um, so since we've started this podcast a year and a half in, what are some of your maybe biggest takeaways or tips and how has that impacted your parenting? Um, I know that's probably a big question. So, so break it down into a couple parts if you need to. When we started our podcast and we put it into the parenting category, which is hilarious to me because I feel like if you, somebody said to me, what do you know about parenting? I'm like, almost nothing. I don't know anything about parenting. Um, and I think it kind of started to hit me that I didn't really know that much, even about the topic that we'd chosen when we had our first guest, Jane Pilskulnietis. And she, we were so, I was so nervous. Our first guest, we were like, we weren't even sure if we were going to have guests. And we had her come on the show. And the things she talked to us about, about unstructured play, I had honestly never really thought about it as deeply as she told us about. You know, we I think we were both really hit by that number of like kids need 45 minutes in some cases to get into their play. So I I was like, well, I took my kids outside for 10 minutes yesterday and they seemed pissed and they didn't seem to be having a good time and I gave up. And like, no, no, they just need time to relax into it. You don't need to force it. You don't need to play with them. You don't need to buy them a bunch of fancy stuff. You just need to leave them to it. I think right from Jane's episode with every single expert we had on since then, that keeps hitting home for me. It's like you actually don't need to do anything. When you go outside, the sticks and the dirt and the leaves and the tree trunks, all of that stuff is a playground for your kids and they can make something out of it. And if you give them enough time and space and practice because they have to get used to it, they will get to, you know, they will find something to play with. So that has really like from – the beginning of, of hosting this podcast, I think I've tried to step back a lot from our kids. And you might be like, gee, that looks kind of lazy. And it is. And I love that because like, you actually don't need to be a part of it. You don't need to help guide them through the game. You don't need to tell them what to do. You just need to step back and let them have it. So I think that was probably the biggest thing that changed. I know that Angela Hanscomb, who we had on the occupational therapist talking to us about the vestibular mov movement in kids' heads when they move and jump and play and roll and go upside down and spin. That one really blew my mind, <laughs> really blew my mind. It's just the way that kids move and the way that they want to move. And like, I think for me, before starting the podcast, before talking to these people, I probably wasn't even aware of like what kids will do given the chance. I wasn't aware of how much they would move, how exactly they'd move their bodies because I was always like, we're off to do the thing or I'll interfere because they look like they're bored. Or, you know, but when you watch kids and you watch how they move their bodies and how they spin and how they turn their heads, 
they're giving their body exactly what it needs and they're engaging in the kind of play that they actually want to do. But you can't know that if you're taking them to music classes <laughs> and gymnastics classes and then you're doing a thing where you lead them through a playground. You just can't see that natural movement. So, I think that point about like unstructured play and the way that kids move keeps hitting home for me each with pretty much every guest we've had on. Um, we've learned the same thing again. And it's just been like, this is really important. And when we structure our kids too much, that's what they're missing out on. Yeah. I really love that. I feel like that conversation, I this year and a half, I'm like, how many times have we had this conversation every season when the classes open up again for, you know, all the sports and all the things and our many of our mom's chats, there's all this rush about how many activities and what are you going to book? And I feel like I feel so much more confident now being like, it's going to be one thing or zero things. Like mm-hmm. those are the options available to my children. They can be in one activity or no activities. And both those things are fine. I really rarely try and avoid two activities. Sometimes it crosses over, but I almost default to less. Yeah, um, definitely defaulting I, to less. Yeah. Like but nothing I feel, a lot of like the nothing. time. Nothing is fine. and But I feel more confident now. I feel like we were both in a place where there was so much pressure, like, well, maybe, gosh, what about music classes? What about what about dance? I'm not exposing them enough to arts. And what about, <laughs> uh, you know, like there's so many sports you could choose from, right? Um, and I think it's easy to go, you know what? We're actually today, because we didn't have a number of activities, we were able to spontaneously go do a hike. And that yeah. wouldn't have happened if we had filled our day with pre-scheduled activities. So I know for me and you, like I keep coming back to, and I feel like I'm like telling everybody, I'm like, I'll send you the episode with, the, you know, with Linda Flanagan, author of Take Back the Game, or I'll send you the Angela's episode about how kids need to have this unstructured movement um, to really get that confidence piece. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's do a way back playback, Kate. Uh, Kate, it's obvious to to me and probably to our listeners that you are not from Canada. <laughs> you didn't grow up here in Canada. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your childhood looked like in relation to playing outside uh, where you are from in Perth, Australia. Yeah, so Perth, Australia is hot, firstly. Um, I don't think anyone would say that Vancouver, Canada is hot. <laughs> um, so I grew up in a very hot climate where we went to the beach a lot. Um, and we, what did we do? I remember asking you this question in your, the episode where I interviewed you, Jen, and it was like, you're like, I'm not really sure what we did. And sometimes I think that too. I'm like, we went to the beach, but you know, you don't, it's not like a whole day out at the beach in Australia. Cause you'd literally get skin cancer if you did that, if you stayed <laughs> at the beach all day. So you go to the beach, you go swimming. Um, we had a big backyard, uh, that we had, you know, a swing set and a mulberry bush, which I remember falling out of. Um, and there being no one around because I remember being, I cried quite a lot when I was a kid and I remember being six and I fell out of the mulberry bush and landed and scratched my arm and I cried and no one came, meaning I was unsupervised, like completely unsupervised. Very unsupervised. (laughs) That's cool though. My parents knew where I was and I was fine. It was a scratch. Um, But yeah, we had this big back garden with a big jacaranda tree and jacaranda trees have these flowers that attract bees. And so when they fall off onto the ground, there's often bees on the flowers, which means I got a lot of bee stings running around barefoot in the back garden. (laughs) Jeez, that's painful. (laughs) And uh, yeah, you know, that kind of happened. I mean, this makes it sound like there's a lot of dangerous things around. And there were only sometimes poisonous spiders living on the swing set and you kind of get used to that you flip over the swing oh you have a look God, underneath that's, you're like that's terrifying, oh, Dad, there's red back here can you come kill it <laughs> like, as my auntie says who's a an emergency physician she's like a red back's very unlikely to kill you it could be lethal to a very small child who was left untreated but you know um so i guess we ran around a lot in the garden and 
and out in this, I don't know, in the street, what did we do? Um, my parents also, my grandparents had purchased a property in Margaret which is about three hours south of Perth. Um, and there was no house on it when they purchased this property. So we used to go camping down there um, on weekends and while the house was being built, we'd just camp in the forest there. Uh, once the house was built, we'd go down there still and spend a lot of time at the beach. You'd go to the beach multiple times a day, different beaches for different purposes. Um, and then the other thing that my family did, which was pretty cool, was we'd go on big camping expeditions. So my parents had a VW combi van. Um, if you go back, we interviewed my parents last year and you can listen to some of the adventures we had in that van. <laughs> um, I'm really? Driving- okay. Some really good adventures. Oh my gosh, your parents, Kate, were the best. I mean, I have met your parents multiple times here in Canada. They are so much fun. But, you know, if you want to talk about different generations of parenting, go back and listen to that episode because the episode where you're you're like a baby floating around in the car, you know, not tethered into anything, just whatever, you know, big deal. Just like driving over sand dunes and I'm literally flying through the air. Um, Yeah, safe. Uh, But look, we're all fine. We made it though. We made it. So we would, you know, every every once in a while, my parents would take us out of school for a couple of weeks and we'd go do one of these big trips, like all the way up the West Coast of Australia. And once you get outside of Perth, there's basically nothing on the West Coast of Australia in terms of big towns and cities. So the distances are huge. Um, and we drive up, you know, there's one trip we drove from Perth all the way up to Darwin, which is the very top of Australia, yes. back to Alice Springs and all the way back down, including some um, some parts of highways where there's no, it's not really a road. It's like a dirt track and you can only drive maybe 25 k's an hour and it's like hundreds of kilometers long and you'd be camping in the middle of the desert. So, you know, I thought I had, I think until I came to Canada, I thought I had a pretty normal childhood, but I don't think a lot of people did those kind of trips. No. I mean, they're definitely more common in Australia uh, because you have access to this just huge space. Um, but not many of my friends, I don't think, were doing that sort of thing. Um, and it's definitely... <laughs> You know, definitely as an as a parent now, I'm like, what the hell were my parents doing? I mean, it was awesome, but like, wow, yeah. ballsy to be like, pack them up, let's go. Like, <laughs> your parents are hardcore, Kate. Very hardcore. Not as hardcore. Like, we are way less hardcore than they are for oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Not even That's close. Not, even, not even close. Yeah. Okay, so you have this amazing upbringing in Australia. It's hot. It's beautiful. For some reason, you decide to get on a plane to Canada. Now, when you got here and saw the landscape, like what were some of your initial thoughts? Is it great? Is this terrible because it's cold? Like, like how did that kind of differ when it's like, oh, this is like a whole different terrain for getting outside? I think, I mean, one of the reasons that I came to Vancouver, um, this was in my mid-20s and I was single, um, living in Perth, which is one of the most, well, it is the most isolated capital city in the world. And people are like, oh, it's a cool stat, but it actually influences your thinking so heavily because to go anywhere from Perth, you have to get on a plane to any other major city. You have to get on a plane for multiple hours. Um, To get to another country, it's at least five hours to Singapore or, you know, Indonesia. And so, it's sort of accepted that at some point you'll leave Perth and kind of go on some adventure. Some people might travel for a year backpacking through Southeast Asia. Some people might go live in the UK for a couple of years. So I think at some point I was like, I'm just going to go do something. And I had been to Vancouver. I thought it was a cool place. Um, I prepared myself, Jen. I was like, it's going to rain every day, absolutely (laughs) every day. And I'm going to see if I can last a year. And so I remember packing up my DVDs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> DVD, can you imagine I had a DVD collection? I'm not that old, but um, oh my I had gosh. a little DVD collection. I was like, I'll pack this up. 
not realizing they weren't actually compatible with the CD, the DVD systems here, but never mind. Um, And I was like, at least I'll have something to do when it rains every single day. And I arrived in Vancouver in February and I think it snowed that March, but by April, the sun came out occasionally, not often as we know, but it came out occasionally. And I was like, what people don't tell you about Vancouver, they everyone complains about the rain. Oh, rainier city, Vancouver, blah, 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 blah. It's going to rain all the time. But when the sun comes out, it is phenomenal. It is such a beautiful city. Just the city, like the downtown area, the Stanley Park, Kitsilano, it's beautiful. And I was completely unprepared for that. And so I think I was, I hadn't really thought about what I'd do once I got here. I just thought I'd survive 365 days of watching DVDs in the rain. It love didn't it, occur to me. That was your plan. <laughs> Seriously, my plan. I don't think it occurred to me that I'd be going camping and kayaking and stuff. I thought I might try snowboarding. Um, got really into that. Was like, oh my god, I live for snowboarding. It's my life. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know. It was all a bit of a surprise. I don't think I'd thought it through before before I got here. Really, I love that. I love that. Our our impression of Vancouver around the world is so bad that people expect it literally rains every day. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you've I mean me coming here from Ontario as well, so I'm obviously not from Vancouver. But when people said that the first year, and we came, and I remember that first fall, it was really dark. But then you have to have activities to do, and I was the same. I got into snowboarding for the very first time, and so all of a sudden it was like, okay, I just have to have something to do in the rainy evening, like whether that's snowboarding or frankly joining a book club, or we did a lot of climbing, indoor climbing, uh, whether that's bouldering or climbing, just have something to do. Because then when the sun does come out, this is what they don't tell you. And my parents are just here visiting, so it's very timely. But picture a January day. In January, most of Canada, it's somewhere between minus 10 to minus 20 degrees Celsius. But in Vancouver, it can honestly be plus eight degrees and sunny. And it is an entirely different experience. And you're mm-hmm. like, and there's often no residual snow on the ground because our snow comes for like a week or two and then it melts. And then that's kind of it for the entire winter season. So all of a sudden it's eight degrees and sunny and it's January. And that doesn't happen every day. Don't get me wrong. But when it does happen, it is glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a huge factor that people don't realize, like that temperature difference across Canada, especially mm-hmm. um, because people just think it's just it's cold everywhere. Every part of Canada is freezing. Um, and in fact, Vancouver is like so much more mild than other parts of Canada. Yeah. When I first visited Vancouver, I came in January on a holiday. And I realized when I moved here a year or two later I realized that um, that holiday trip in January, I'd been around Vancouver for multiple weeks and the sky had never cleared. So I never saw the North Shore Mountains. We went up there, but you couldn't see them because they were buried in clouds. And so it was a really big surprise when I moved here and realized, <laughs> realized like, oh my gosh, there's mountains around here. And people it's like- right well, there. Uh, like, why did you move here? I'm like, I don't know really, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Now it's into some of the real talk here, Kate. So as we know, many years ago, you were here, you were in Vancouver, you were coming for a period of time, and then you met this lovely gentleman who happened to be one of your coworkers. And, you know, a few years later, here we are, you guys are celebrating, is it eight years of marriage this year or nine years of marriage this year? Neither. It's- Neither. (laughs) I've got it completely wrong. It's seven. Seven. Okay. I was trying to, I'm like, I'm 10. And I know you're just a few years, few years behind that. Um, okay. And your partner, as we know, is like Mr. Outdoors. Um, if it was up to him, he might build a small cabin in the woods for your family to live oh, in yeah. permanently. Oh, yeah. If, like if that could happen, that would be the dream. Um, 
Now, if you haven't met this person who was Canadian and super, super outdoorsy, do you think you would have gone back to Perth and said goodbye to Canada a long time ago? Well, when I started, when I um, started dating him, I'd already signed up to do a master's at UBC. So I'd already decided I wanted to stay at least another two and a half years because the master's program wasn't starting for another eight months and it's a two-year program. So it had the decision, and this is what people say, oh, he kept you in Canada. I'm like, <laughs> no, I was already thinking. I remember having these thoughts of like, what if I didn't go back to Perth? What if I stayed here? I think probably if I had been single and unhappily, unhappily single, I may have gone back to Perth after I finished my master's. But as it was, I wasn't. I was in a relationship and I was really happy here. So it wasn't him necessarily, but I don't know, Jen, hard to say. We could blame him, my aunties and my parents and my siblings. We could blame him and say it's his fault. Well, I'm happy. I'm like on his side because he Good. kept yeah, you true. here. So true. You know. You're on the right. Yeah, you're on a different yeah, side. Yeah, I'm on the, the right side because I want you guys <laughs> to. Uh, I want you guys to stay here. Um, now, one of the challenges I know we have chatted a lot about, and certainly COVID really brought it to the forefront, was parenting so so far away from your own parents. Um, and I remember for you, I mean, we had so many conversations with our chairs, six, you know, six feet apart and then walking when we could walk. Remember those, remember those days oh the gosh, chairs yeah. six feet apart? It's like I'll I'm arrive sorry. first, but don't walk past me I know. when you set up your chair out the outdoor area in case we get too close. And for you, I mean, Australia was on lockdown. You know, while many of us were restricted in traveling, um, you literally could not have gotten on a plane to Australia even if something terrible had happened. Um, you, there was literally no way for your parents to fly here and no way for you to fly there. And that was, was it two years? I want to say, Kate, that like that, like that complete lockdown, I think was almost two years and you didn't see your parents yeah. for two and a half. Was it two and a half years total? Yeah. So I'm from Western Australia and Western Australia continued to have their borders shut until March, 2022. So a full two years, you couldn't, I mean, you could fly in on like repatriation flights, but they were under very special circumstances. Um, and I didn't meet any of those criteria. <laughs> um, and my parents could have left, but they couldn't have come back. But there was also no commercial flights anyway. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a very hard lockdown for Perth and Western Australia, which is great if you live there because there's lots to do in Western Australia in terms of exploring outdoors. But yeah, I didn't see my family for, t- they, we couldn't, we couldn't do anything. Um, and so it was, I think, two and a half years in between visits. Yeah. And we chatted extensively about that. Just that like being so far away from grandparents who can help and grandparents who can just drop by for dinner and and how, what are some of the challenges, you know, and kind of share that for our listeners of, of what you were kind of going through during that time? Yeah, I think probably a lot of people are familiar with that feeling. It's like that I actually, firstly, I, I was dreaming about having somebody come over and make us dinner. I was so friggin' sick of cooking dinner every night for us and doing the dishes. And it's just me and my husband and our kids every night. <laughs> like, I would love to have somebody like my mum come in and just cook us one meal just to take the monotony away for a second. So like, yeah, that would have been great. Having somebody to watch the kids would have been great. But actually what I found much harder was them missing out on all these amazing stages with our kids. Um, You know, my youngest was five months old when uh, COVID hit. And so she went from five months old to nearly three and didn't see any of her Australian family and, Man, I mean, she's still pretty cute, but she was so friggin' cute. I'm like, every day I remember looking at her and going, just 
Like, stay cute. You better, you better stay cute because they haven't seen you yet, really. They've barely met you. They're like a little blob when they saw you last. And, you know, like I remember thinking, oh, they're just, nobody's seen this. Nobody can appreciate this. <laughs> and that's really what felt like was missing. Um, I think when you, there's a really big difference between people who live close to family and people and have their support because sometimes you live close to family, you don't have any support and I totally recognize that. Um, but people who have that family support and people who don't and the things that you just start to think of as normal, you know, like for us to go out and do anything with somebody watching the kids as a default is not something that it just can't happen. Um, for us to have a weekend with the kids staying over at grandma's house or for grandpa to be able to pick the kids up from school and take them out for a thing, it's just not possible. Um, and so I have, I honestly feel jealous. <laughs> Try to keep the jealousy under control, but like it's hard to watch that because you see these beautiful moments from people who's, you know, um, whose nanny is just stopping by for the just to say hello to drop in a casserole. And you're like a casserole? Oh my, my god, god, they got a casserole. With love a casserole. <laughs> Somebody make me a casserole. But anyway, I we were really lucky. Still, it was only two and a half years. I know other people who went much longer before they could visit family. So, and I can say as well with confidence. Our kids were still cute when my family saw them Very and cute. when my partner's family saw them. So, I was like, phew, dodged a bullet. They didn't get like lanky and weird and like <laughs> uncute. They stayed very cute. So, I think that was a bonus. Yeah. When do they get lanky and weird? I mean, our oldest children are now over six and I feel like we're starting to get to that borderline. Like the teeth are falling out. Their limbs are definitely getting lanky. I think we'll probably always still think our kids are cute, but I think we're starting to be in that next phase of of lankiness and awkwardness, you Ugh. know, but. Okay, let's think ahead. We've talked a lot about the past now. Let's think ahead to the future. You know, as our children are getting older, uh, what would you say are some of the things you're looking forward to doing with your kids outside or exploring or some of those next big milestones as they do get older? I'm looking forward to their little legs having a little bit more capacity in them. <laughs> yes to that. <laughs> uh, um. I am, we're seeing glimpses of it, I think, you know, kids are three and six and seeing glimpses of them being able to hike a little further and push a little bit harder, stay out a little bit longer. And you start to realize like there's a picture on the wall up behind me here. This is of Elfin Lakes, which is in Garibaldi uh, Provincial Park near us. And maybe not Elfin Lakes, but there are other access points to Garibaldi, which is an amazing Alpine Park that I'm starting to think our kids are going to be able to get in there soon. You know, we want to, we've always wanted to do um, canoeing multi-day trips with our kids. And I'm starting to see like the light at the end of the little kid tunnel. Um, and so I think that's really exciting. I think the other thing that I'm excited about is that traveling um, to and from Australia and to and from other parts of the world to see family gets a little bit easier. You know, I remember my mum saying, once a kid is over the age of six, traveling becomes infinitely easier. You know, there's not so many like <laughs> meltdowns, toilet situations, <laughs> toilet situations, uh, yeah. wetting the pants, or um, the meltdowns. I hope, please pray to whoever's listening. I hope that that starts to calm down, um, and they just become a bit more resilient to things like jet lag. So I'm looking forward to being able to travel, particularly to Australia without the need to stay five weeks, as amazing as that was, but like to be able to have like a quicker trip there because the kids can bounce back just a bit faster. Um, so I think those things, as well as the kids being able to have input into things, I think we are really in a stage of making the plans for the kids. 
And my oldest has started to say things like, and Jen, this is going to make your heart sing. I want to go for a hike. Oh, I love oh, it. I oh love my it. God. Oh my God. I was like, what? Quick, somebody get her shoes. We're going for it. You know, or she said, what if we, she's been thinking about like that episode I told you about. Um, I told her about Dev and Stu, who had, were on the podcast recently and did 100 hikes as a family. And she's like, what if we did 10 hikes? And she hasn't really got the idea of like 10 hikes per what, but she was like, what if we just did 10? And I'm like, I think it's going to be really cool when they can show an interest in something and we can actually go and do it as opposed to like for a long time, the H word hike was like a dirty word in the house. So I'm looking forward to that ending. Okay. And now let's bring it back to the podcast here as we come full circle. Um, As we enter a year, we're like one and a half years in, depending on when you edit this one and get it out for our listeners. Um, What are you looking forward to most in the podcast as we are in our second year of recording? And and who would you love as a dream guest to come on? I've got a dream guest in mind. Okay. So we have, firstly, we have some great guests coming up um, soon that I'm very excited about. Um, we do have somebody who's going to be talking to us um, from the Minimalist Mums podcast, talking about minimalism, Ooh. which I'm fascinated about. Like, how do you do that as a mum? We do have somebody coming on to talk about postpartum anxiety and depression, which I think is really important. I think it's the kind of thing that we need to keep talking about, even as kids get older. I talk to friends who have older kids who are two, three, four, five years old and needing to have those conversations still like are you okay um so excited about that my dream guest i'm going to put it out there is ingrid backstrom she's a pro skier i think she's amazing uh she we used to watch her ski films back in the day and she can rip it she's done a massive huge lines in alaska and she has two kids and she lives in washington state okay this sounds creepy um and she is totally kick-ass and yeah she had a challenge this year she was going to ha- uh, ski 100 days in a row she's Whoa. got two kids and she did it because she's kick-ass so ingrid if you're listening <laughs> ingrid okay we're reaching out to ingrid after this episode so goes I'm, live kate okay yeah i'm i'm building up the courage to reach out this is the great thing about this this world that we live in now i mean there are lots of terrible things about social media but there is actually a line that you can reach people on, right? You can actually attempt to make contact. So if you hear Ingrid Backstrom on the podcast, know mm. that I'm in, in coming years, I don't know, months, whatever, uh, know that I'd probably be absolutely freaking out because it makes me like really nervous just thinking about it because that's how much I wanted to come on our podcast. Oh, I love it. Well, we're manifesting it right now. And Put by the, the way, universe. if you know Ingrid and can set us up and do an introduction... <laughs> please do and don't hold back. Um, I know there's several other podcasts we're looking to get on as well. Uh, we talked about the um, the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast Oh, yeah, that as well. would be interesting. Okay, so Ginny Urich is amazing. Her podcast is – she's she's done amazing things for kids. So when you hear this idea of 1,000 Hours Outside, spending 1,000 Hours Outside instead of 1,000 Hours on screens, absolutely. I think Ginny is probably – maybe we're years away from getting on that podcast. Who knows, though? You never know. We've had some of the same guests on our show who she's had on hers. She's great. She's doing such amazing work. So that would be cool if we could get on there. Or if she came on here. 
I think it's going to happen, Kate. We just got to put it out to the universe there. Uh, well, thank you, Kate, for this opportunity to interview you. I hope our listeners have enjoyed this story. Um, while I've heard bits and pieces of it, I always love, you know, kind of putting this all together and kind of this holistic package. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to hit subscribe. Uh, and we always love your five-star reviews. You know, we're just here kind of sharing into the void, me and Kate in our pajamas <laughs> on a weekly basis. So we would love to hear your five-star review to keep us the motivation to keep going. Uh, we're over on Instagram, of course, at Get Outside with Kids. And if you know Ingrid, drop us a DM oh so gosh. we can get yes. in touch. And we'll be back again next week with more episodes of the podcast. <laughs>